FM. Very good day to you, Mzansi, and welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala, Hazel Makuzeni is my producer, and Lance Andrews, our technical producer for today. Our contact details are 0892102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. New Hope for ADHD in Children and Adults, A Practical Guide, is a book by Helen Bester. She joins me in a few minutes to tell all about Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I invite you to also call us uh, if you want clarity on ADHD on 0892102010. But first, though, our lunch bite for today, which I took from Helen Bester's book, uh, New Hope for ADHD, and it's... It says children learn what they live. Now, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. If children live with pity, they learn to feel sorry for themselves. If children live with ridicule, they learn to be shy. If children live with jealousy, they learn what envy is. If children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. If children live with tolerance, they learn to be patient. If children live with encouragement, they learn to be confident. If children live with praise, they learn to appreciate. If children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. If children live with acceptance, they learn to find love in the world. If children live with recognition, they learn to have a goal. If children live with sharing, they learn to be generous. If children live with honesty and fairness, they learn what truth and justice are. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and in those around them. If children live with friendliness, they learn that the world is a nice place in which to live. If children live with serenity, they learn to have peace of mind. With what are your children living? Otherwise, on SAFM. Now, Helena Besta is an expert in the field of learning disabilities. She has over 15 years of experience in this field and 13 years in education. She has a master's in psychology and is the director and co-founder of Ilna Remedial Clinic. She's the author of a very popular book on coping with learning disabilities, Help Make Gunt Makir Eats in 1996, and an earlier guide to dealing with issues relating to hyperactivity, Help Make Gunt Fuorsak Chaos, Help My Child is Creating Chaos. I hope I said that correctly, 2000. She's also a neurotherapist, author of New Hope for ADHD in Children and Adults, and she joins me now on the phone. Helena, welcome. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, Shannon. Our listeners, thank you for the opportunity to share some thoughts with you. Thank you for your time. What are your children living? <laughs> Hopefully, I'm managing to live up to 5 to 10% of those uh, wonderful things that we listen to from, from that very famous Berman quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think important that we will, uh, that we will all keep on trying. Now, I, I read through, I didn't read the whole book, uh, but I managed to read through enough just to get an understanding as well of what ADHD is. Um, and I, I realized that some, some of the things that, you know, when, when, how do you find out uh, what it, when a child has ADHD? But first of all, what are we talking about? What, what exactly is it? Um, 
In a nutshell, ADHD is a neurochemical imbalance in areas of the brain that affect uh, concentration, impulse control, and also motivation. Um, and it's important that listeners will um, realize that it influences behavior. It does not only influence concentration ability. It influences overall behavior. Mm-hmm. And the we basically look at 18 symptoms for the diagnosis. Uh, although we know there are certain differences in the ADHD brain regarding electrical bra- uh, electrical activity, brainwave activity, um, we don't use those for diagnosis yet. We still the DSM-5 criteria still are the original. 18 symptoms, which I will just give you uh, the, the essence of them. You said DSM, five criteria. What's, what's that? That is the Diagnostic Statistic Manual according to which the diagnosis is made, Okay. Um, which is used for the diagnosis basically um, throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And if we look at those 18 symptoms, we find two main groups. And the first nine symptoms are um, about inattentiveness. And that is where the three types of ADHD come in as well. So the mainly inattentive type, they will typically suffer from things like uh, finding it difficult to pay attention to detail, Mm -hmm. finding it difficult um, to sustain their attention. Often it seems that they're not listening when we're speaking to them. They find it difficult to follow through on tasks. They have problems with organization. Um, they are reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort. They often lose things. They're easily distracted. They're very forgetful. So those are the symptoms of the mainly inattentive type. And for diagnosis, we need at least six of those symptoms in children younger than 17 and older than 17 and adults. We need at least five of those symptoms in two different situations. So at the workplace and at home or at the school and at home. But I I, I think most, most children that age hardly pay attention these days. They distract it easily. They lose things. Does that mean that most of our children have have um, those symptoms of inattentiveness? That, that is such a very important point that you are raising now, Shadow, because um, it's so important that we will understand also that there are certain conditions for the diagnosis. So when those, if we now we're just talking about the inattentive type, mm, mm. if we find more than six of those symptoms at school and at home, it will. It's important that um, we will see that those symptoms are inconsistent with a person's developmental level. That they must be present continuously for at least six months and that they started before the age of 12 um, and that these symptoms actually interfere or reduce the quality of the social or academic or occupational function. Mm, mm. And they must not be a result of schizophrenia or other psychotic disorders, other mental disorders, dissociative disorder, whatever. And um, there are many conditions, situations, even problems in emotional problems, mm. situations in, in uh, unorganized households and um, that can cause a child to present with many of these symptoms. And very often um, 
ADHD is diagnosed where some of these symptoms are copied because a child has a learning disability. Mm. So he opts out of any formal teaching situation and he displays some of these symptoms and it's not really classical uh, ADHD. So it's important that every reader, hopefully the many readers that will be reading this book, won't just pick the symptoms and decide they can now make the diagnosis of ADHD. It's, it's very important that an experienced professional will make certain that those particular symptoms, that the severity uh, are high and that they are not because of other secondary issues that may be in, in the mix and that it may not be clear ADHD that we're talking about. You know, when I when I, just listening to you, and 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 this is very scary because I'm thinking of my own children and other people that I know that possibly uh, uh, would would present with these kinds of symptoms. But it is important, as I hear you, to be to monitor the person as opposed to just react from one of the symptoms. Yes, and also to make certain that um, you know. For a four-year-old, all of these symptoms are age-appropriate. Mm -hmm. So that they determine that these symptoms are actually affecting them negatively. I know very many perfectly functional, wonderful ADHD, but full-blown ADHD functioning individuals that do not need medication or any other uh, uh, intervention. So if the child is not, if he's functioning levels are being affected that is the main thing that we we will start looking at do we need a diagnosis here and what kind of of intervention Mm. um, do we need now unfortunately approximately 80% of children with uh, ADHD they are underachievers but if the child is functioning perfectly okay on social level uh, in the school then, um, you know, such a diagnosis is not necessary and uh, medication then consequently also is not necessary. Okay, so we spoke about inattentiveness. What others are there? We have the hyperactive and impulsive group. They they are the ones that we don't miss easily. When you go to the emergency uh, units of of hospitals, you will see that there are parents always with the child has now broken a leg or an arm and he's jumped off the roof and in the shopping mall you will see they're running or in the pick and pay they're running down the aisles and mm-hmm. the parents are following so say they are the ones that are um, hyperactive and impulsive and what the, the nine symptoms that we're looking at there for diagnosis is that the person constantly fidgets and taps their hands or squirms in his or her seat that he often leaves his seat and finds it difficult to remain seated when it's expected Mm-hmm. That the person runs around or climbs in situations where it's inappropriate, where the person has difficulty playing or engaging in leisure activities quietly. It seems as though he's driven by a motor almost like he's mm-hmm. operating with like little Duracell bunnies that we see in the adverts. <laughs> person talks excessively, finds it difficult to wait their turn. They often blurt out answers. They find it difficult to wait in queues, for instance, often interrupt others or they intrude on them um, while they are uh, speaking or playing or whatever the case may be. So they're impatient. They are very impatient, very impulsive. So that area of the brain 
that controls the impulses um, does not function well. So thought comes into the mind and it gets out, goes out immediately. They often get into trouble for, for saying inappropriate things. Things that, so by the way, all of us think anyway. So I often say that the ADHD population is also sent to, to save us from our pretentiousness because they are so blatantly honest. <laughs> Too honest if you yes. ask me. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, so but please tell me, is this genetic? Yes, ADHD. Yes, it's um, mainly genetic. Mm-hmm. Hereditary, eighty percent is genetic, and the other twenty percent um, is mainly because of um, a very stressful pregnancy, where wow. so we find that during times of war, um, there's an increase in the in the incidence of ADHD. So the stress hormone cortisol that is released abundantly in uh, with the mothers that are in stressed situations that can actually bring about ADHD. And then the other factor that's also uh, not genetic or hereditary is uh, conditions such as HIV, AIDS or meningitis, anything that can create uh, inflammation in the mm-hmm. brain can actually also bring that about. But we find often that um, you find a child that is, it seems to be the only ADHD sufferer in the family. But if you go and analyze closely, you will see that the mother has a, a turned down version of it and possibly the father as well, and they have developed coping skills. And then out comes the child with the full-blown ADHD. So sometimes it's very prominent and clear with the parents uh, and uh, more so with the fathers normally in an interview once you when you meet the father and shake the hand you can already see he's looking around and seeing how long is this going to take and so on then mm. you know, okay there we go um so sometimes it's very clear that it's in the parents and other times it's, it's not as clear but it is mainly hereditary and it, it becomes difficult then when the parents haven't been diagnosed it becomes difficult, and that's one of the problems that, that we deal with and something that, in my opinion, does not receive uh, enough attention and support, and that is um, managing ADHD in the home environment mm. because mostly these children come from an ADHD home. So now we are telling them all of these wonderful theoretical things, do this and break down the tasks and speak to them directly and slowly and only give one instruction at a time, etc. But the parents are ADHD, so Mm. to start off with, they are not hearing you while you're giving these instructions. They only get 5% of the information. And then it's very difficult for them to to execute these recommendations because of their own lack of being organized, etc. So uh, that complicates the the management in in the household and it's so, so, so important that specifically the mothers will get enough support, a lot of support because it takes probably the energy that it would to to raise three children if you compare that to what's necessary to to raise an ADHD child. It's more time consuming. Um, It just calls for so much more patience and perseverance, etc. 
which is often lacking in the ADHD parent. Helena Bester is my guest. Please do call us if you recognize some of those symptoms we spoke about and we'll continue to talk to her because it, it, it sounds like a very complicated uh, condition to have, ADHD, just to find out whether you, your child, or maybe an adult in your home um, has is, is showing some of these behavioral symptoms. Uh, and we'll, we're happy to take your calls on 0892 10 20 10 uh, if, if you really would like to get some advice from Helena. But Helena, is, is it possible, because you spoke about pregnancy uh, and, and, and some stressful condition that could happen during pregnancy, yeah. is it possible to diagnose via blood tests and those kinds of things? No. No, we don't have any blood tests or brain scans or specs or... MRIs or anything according to which the diagnosis can be made officially. Mm -hmm. It is going to change in future though. Um, more support is going to be given to research that focuses on neurological and neurochemical and anatomical differences in different disorders. So whereas the focus has been up until now in the DSM-5, we actually thought that possibly in the DSM-5 we're already going to see some changes that are more, the diagnosis is more based on clinical evidence rather than subjective uh, symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, we have not seen that yet, unfortunately, but clearly the, the huge research in, uh, uh, institutions and that also that, that fund research has stated clearly that um, a change is going to happen in that regard, which in neurotherapy, fortunately, we are in a very privileged position because we already have a lot of data that gives us clear evidence of structural, anatomical, clinical um, differences and specifically in terms of connectivity in the brain and also in terms of electrical activity. We know that there are definite clear differences if we compare the ADHD brain to the non-ADHD sufferer's brain. So what are the dangers then of, of living with ADHD if you have not been diagnosed or, or, or don't know anything about it and you're taking it as a behavioral uh, condition of a child, for instance? Can, can, can it be destructive in any way apart from, and I know we'll go through more of the symptoms later, but can one live a, a full life with ADHD? I seem to attract ADHD people into my, into my life. <laughs> you have a very interesting life there. Uh, and um, I regard them as being very fascinating, energetic, fun-loving, loyal interesting people mm -hmm. um, and one can definitely yes it's not a uh, a disabling condition at all mm -hmm. um, if if it causes discomfort um, it's things that can be managed and medicated and fortunately we have now alternative therapies as well mm -hmm. but you asked about the biggest dangers and then I thought you know if one thinks of children um, probably the biggest danger is that that their self-esteem gets affected because they get constant negative feedback. They seem to be in trouble all the time. Mm. 
And unfortunately, um, when the process of labeling starts, uh, it can get very cruel. And what children even do, because these children are normally so gullible. Now, children real, see that, all right, this one is always in trouble and is gullible, and then they entice them and they try and suggest to them to do inappropriate or whatever mm. things just to kind of see the reaction that it's going to have on anybody. So often they are drawn into situations without malicious intent. And that's so important, that um, that very big difference between just the normal naughty child and the one, the ADHD sufferer that get in, gets into trouble all the time. Mm. They normally don't have any malicious intent. They kind of just there where the trouble happens and everybody expects that they will be involved and often they become the scapegoat also where they weren't even the guilty party or the one that initiated. Mm. Let's talk to Tony from Durban. Tony, hello. Good afternoon, ladies. How are you? Good, thank you. And you, Tony? All right, thank you. Um, I've got a child that uh, has all the symptoms you guys have described, you ladies have described, and um, I've had him at all the different centers, the learning centers. I've had him at the Kitmogarts, who all focus on his behind on his learnership. Mm. Um, and then I took him lately now, he's going to uh, one of these uh, places where they connect a machine to your brain and uh, read your brain impulses and see how long your attention span is but it's it's making no difference on uh, his schoolwork or his behavior or anything and it's getting frustrating I mean how many different places must we take the child before we can get a diagnosis Hello Tony that is such a, a common complaint normally the parents that arrive here arrive with these thick files that they have been here and there and everywhere. Um, this is the treatment that you're talking about now that involves uh, treatment, you know, physical attaching the person to some equipment and so on. I don't know if what system it is or if it is neurotherapy that you are speaking about, but perhaps I can make use of this opportunity to just introduce uh, neurotherapy slightly and perhaps we can go into it uh, in greater depth later. Mm -hmm. Neurotherapy is the only viable alternative to stimulant medication that I am aware of after decades of personal research and so on. I've always been looking for alternatives to Ritalin because I'm not in favor of prescribing medication long term for, for children as when, it, when it can be avoided. And in neurotherapy, um, we actually teach the brain to regulate more efficiently. And there are certain dysfunctional patterns that we are aware of based on the biggest database of brain functioning in the world that we work with. So normally 47% of the children um, have an excess of theta. And if we slow down the theta brainwave activity, we um, improve the alertness and we improve the, the concentration. Now, I don't want to give too much technical detail about mm. that now because I want to also address the other thing that Tony was mentioning is been here, been there, been there. Um, the thing is, if this really, if your child truly has uh, ADHD and he has a severe concentration problem, irrespective of what learning aid 
learning assistance, etc., will be given, the child is not going to be able to integrate that new information because that was the problem to start off with. It can't concentrate long enough to be able to process the information. So the concentration issue has to be addressed. Um, and what does Tony do, though? What, what does he do now? I would suggest, well, the it will either have to be through stimulant medication or he can make the, the option of going for neurotherapy. One can also do a combination of uh, neurotherapy and stimulant medication. A uh, pediatrician would, is the most appropriate person to prescribe medication because unfortunately in our country it gets prescribed very easily, often just on the recommendation of the teacher or an aunt or whatever and the general practitioner prescribes it and nobody monitors it. Mm. The best way would be if a pediatrician can determine the appropriate dosage and arrange for the monitoring okay. process. Helena, please stay on the line for me. Tony, please continue listening um, and, and uh, unless you have another question because we need to go to news headlines. All right, no, that's fine. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're, we're taking news headlines now with Wutsilia Sako. Thanks, Shadow. In the headlines, the Geological Survey has confirmed that there's been a massive earth tremor across South Africa. It says the 5.3 magnitude earthquake had its epicenter about six kilometers east of Orkney in northwest. Johannesburg police have appealed to members of the public to come forward with information which could help them locate the firearm used to shoot three-year-old Luke Tibbetts. South African Airways has, rather says, it will not cancel flights to West Africa as countries there battle the Ebola outbreak. A full bulletin at 2 o'clock. Otherwise, on SAFM. We would be taking a cause 0892102010. It's a huge subject. We're talking about ADHD with uh, Helena Bester, who's the author of, of the book New Hope for ADHD in Children and Adults, which is a practical guide. And, and Tony, I suggest you get yourself a copy so you understand better what we are dealing with. But also we, we're happy to take your calls, as I say, on 0892102010. Um, Helena, I want to know if there's a, and I want, we'll get to the neurotherapy and what to do, but would you say that we need special schools for um, children with ADHD, uh, the ADHD condition? No. Not? No. So uh, I've been very much involved in the adaptations that, that we have now in the inclusive education policy. Mm-hmm. Um, I started pleading for accepting children with ADHD and learning disabilities in a mainstream situation since the first book that I that I have written. Mm-hmm. It's so important that we that we don't have won't have these these um, separate groups of here's a group of children that can't read and here we have ones with concentration issues there we have ones with behavior issues and so on. Of course, it is more ideal for the ADHD learner to be accommodated in a smaller class group, Mm -hmm. but the adaptations that have been suggested in the, or that are now being implemented in the inclusive education uh, policy of which the white paper six, the pilot study then focuses on specifically learners with certain barriers to learning of which ADHD is one. 
if certain adaptations are made in the classroom, it's a more ideal situation because that child is going to uh, work in a normal work environment. He's not going to be in a situation where um, he's employed with 90% ADHD sufferers. Mm -hmm. So the skills that they need to learn, the social skills and managing their own condition and the adaptations they have to make, they can only really learn in an in, in environment that is as closely uh, representative of life out there as possible. But then how do teachers then understand that, that behavior? Because initially teachers' reaction would be, you're a problem child, you don't listen, you don't present your homework, you know, you, you don't concentrate. How how are they to to know that they're dealing with a child who has the 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 condition? Fortunately, I think it's something that that's been getting a lot of attention um, and a lot of energy and and resources been made available for the in-service training of teachers. Mm -hmm. There is still a lot of work to be done, but the average teacher would at this point be able to do a fairly uh, at least um, a recognizing of the ADHD uh, profile. What is not ideal, though, is that the class groups are too large. Now, when uh, the, the correct procedure, uh, when a child, when a teacher suspects that the child is is an ADHD sufferer, the teacher ought to discuss that with the parents. And then there's a learning support team at the schools nowadays mm. where they then discuss certain individualized adaptations in terms of teaching techniques and also in terms of assessment. And it does not take... I know that there are probably teachers listening now that are saying, yes, easier said than done, and we have class groups of 40, and if you look at the average class group of 40, you're going to have three to four ADHD sufferers in that group and with the younger ones it's even more difficult to deal with them because they haven't developed coping skills but a few little changes does not have to take that much energy and generally these children respond so beautifully to recognition and acceptance and to keep a child focused to just every now and then you don't have to interrupt yourself all the time while you're teaching you can just walk past the child and you can just touch him every now and then you can perhaps say his name you can just bring him back because he will wander off and he mm. will get engaged in in other activities mm. and so important if we have the mindset the understanding that these children are not deliberately pushing our buttons it feels that way sometimes <laughs> but they really, they, they cannot remain focused. It also offers a, a challenge to us to um, be a little more interact, have more interactive teaching methods and to be a little more creative, um, a little, little more entertaining because you will also see typically with the ADHD children with the feedback, you will see that this teacher loves the child, just gets on with him so well, and the next teacher just finds it totally impossible. Mm. So adaptations in, in, in not only teaching techniques and assessment techniques, but, but also in, in, in states of mind, in opinions, in attitude, 
um, have to be made to, and, and that is a, that's a real challenge for, for teachers, but hopefully most teachers are teaching because they believe they can make a difference and mm. they're in it for, for all the right reasons. And these children, generally, they are interesting and loving and um, all of those things, if we can just focus on that instead of all the things that they don't do well and the tasks they don't complete on time and the difficulty with organizing and all of those. All right. Let's speak with uh, anonymous caller in the Free State. Hello. Welcome to Otherwise. Good evening. How are you? Good. Thank you. And you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, I've got a daughter uh, who's seven years old and she's in grade two. And um, from from what I've been listening to and the symptoms that has been laid out here, um, my daughter is actually sort of showing one one or more of those. And um, the teacher has been complaining that she doesn't pay attention in class and she's struggling with a number of subjects. And now uh, we've been taking it to like occupational therapy because uh, the teacher she's not really hyperactive, but she tends to sort of daydream sort of get lost in mm. the mist and she sort of not paying attention to what has been said in class. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to find out when, when my wife was pregnant, um, she had anemia and I heard that um, stressful pregnancy can also cause um, this ADHD. Could it, could it, could that be, have been the cause or something? I'm, I'm, I just want to find out. It, it, it could have been a contributing factor because that would have led to increased levels of stress. But what is important, I think, is that we don't we try and determine exactly why, where did it come from, is it caused by this and that. Yes. It will be a bit of wasting of energy because what we have here now is a situation where your daughter is not coping and by the sounds of it, she's mainly the inattentive type and they are the more difficult ones to pick up because the hyperactive ones, they irritate everybody so they get diagnosed very quickly. Yes. Inattentive ones, they often, you know, it seems you look at them, they look like the ideal students. And they are focusing. They're just focusing yeah. on something else, something mm. interesting, something different that's going on in their mind. Okay. And um, if these sounds are being made of possibly that is the, the concentration issue may be contributing to her underachieving, it's so important that you will have a proper diagnosis made yes. and so that decisions can be taken from there. Yes. I, I would like to know more about the ADHD. So um, what's the name of the book again? Please get the book New Hope for ADHD. New Hope. New Hope for ADHD, yes. New Hope for ADHD. Yeah, in children and adults. But that, that is, as soon as you get New Hope for ADHD, it's by Helena Bester. Yes, I will Google that. Thank you so much. Helena. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Let's talk to Reggie, who's in the Western Cape. Hello, Reggie. Good day, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm okay. Uh, you, you're speaking to Richie Morosi from the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. I'm actually just calling it. was actually an interesting topic that you're busy with there. I, I've, I've personally had uh, problems. I'm, I, I'm actually 30 years of age. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had problems. I, I can't remember, uh, but it was since childhood actually that 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 I've, I've always you know had problems finishing chores I've, I've always been so very slow actually in nature mm-hmm. uh, always had problems interpreting and actually capturing uh, information as, as, as you were speaking mm-hmm. so it it, it, it it was just something that I've always it obviously does uh, tempered with my self-esteem for quite a long time mm-hmm. but 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 I couldn't really uh, think of uh, attending 
something to to to, to probably get get professional help as as, as such because mm-hmm. you know you never really think it's a it's 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 it's, it's, it's an illness or anything. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know in my situation what what prob what probably could it could it be. So, uh, okay, uh, Helen Helena will tell you. Helena. Good afternoon, Richie, and thank thank you for your call. No, it's okay, so important. I, I'm so glad that an adult is calling in and, and complaining of uh, discomfort that he has because there are so, so many adults out there in which ADHD has not been diagnosed and they mm. often they have felt their whole life that they are not quite in sync with everything. Mm. They yeah. either just too late and when they're supposed to be there, then that group has already moved on and they're not there yet and they... Now, you know, they don't have a realistic sense of time, and they often are misunderstood, they often are late for things, and it's so important to know, to to accept, to, uh, first of all, to know that there is definitely efficient, effective treatment out there, to know, secondly, that it is not um, anything you ought to be ashamed of and yes. it's such a simple thing that can be that can be rectified and that can make such a difference um, in your life so uh, okay. I would suggest sorry go ahead Helena I, I would suggest okay. that you uh, perhaps if you are comfortable with your general practitioner uh, yes. go to your general practitioner discuss the condition ask him perhaps even for a checklist or complete the checklist that is in the book if you have the intention of reading it and okay. then go and say you think this is the situation and your okay. general practitioner will either prescribe stimulant medication for you or he would refer you to a psychiatrist who will then yeah. do a further in-depth um, investigation in the severity and so on and prescribe medication and the alternative okay. is to go for neurotherapy, and there are neurotherapists uh, throughout the country, where, which does okay. not involve um, medication. It's a non-invasive treatment. Okay. Thank uh, you, Reggie, and, and good luck. Please do go. I, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping I, I'll definitely follow that that route because yeah, it, it has just been a lifetime challenge, and actually, you know, in many cases, you feel like giving up. You're thinking. Maybe I'm not really, it, it, it really pulls you down a lot. And, 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 it yeah. sounds like it. It sounds like it. And, and please go, go and get the book if you have um, the, the attention to, to finish reading it. But I, I think do, talk to your GP first. Huh? And uh, it's uh, uh, just a decision. Uh, it's just a decision you have to make, yes. Okay, Reggie, thank you so much. Now, talking about neurotherapy, you, you said you don't recommend Ritalin. We just got an SMS, a comment here that the, they've been using, somebody's been using Ritalin with their grade two child, and he has gone from the bottom of the class to the top. How possible is that? It is very possible. There's a, a large group of ADHD sufferers that really their life would be much more difficult without the use of stimulant medication. Which Ritalin is? Ritalin is stimulant Mm -hmm. medication and Concerta also. Parents often feel that they're rather going to go the Concerta route than the Ritalin route 
because Ritalin has such a bad reputation, but the active ingredient in both of those medications is methylphenidate, exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Just the mechanism by which it's absorbed in the bloodstream differs. Now, uh, I definitely do not... Sorry, sorry, Helena, maybe let's talk about the difference of how it's absorbed. How how is Ritalin absorbed? Ritalin, we get... uh, Two types of Ritalin, the normal Ritalin, which we know is a tiny little white tablet, a 10 milligram one, and that get, gets absorbed uh, immediately. Yeah. You, you take it and 20 minutes later, less than 20 minutes later, you will be very focused and very alert. Mm-hmm. And four hours later, it's out of your bloodstream completely and you are back to square one. In so it has to be taken every four hours? It has to be taken every four sure. hours. Or you have Ritalin LA, the long-acting Ritalin, which has little granules inside it, and half of the granules get absorbed immediately, and the other half have a wax layer, and that wax layer dissolves within four hours, so the second half gets absorbed um, in four uh, four hours later. So, in other words, it's effect, it's two dosages in one. Mm-hmm. So, if you take Ritalin LA 30 milligrams, it means that you're taking 15 milligrams twice a day. Okay. And then we have the, so it gives you so for eight hours it functions for eight hours. The only problem with Ritalin LA is it gets absorbed very quickly, then it goes out very so it has two troughs and two peaks. So it's a bit unstable. Mm. So it causes, sometimes it causes children to feel um, a bit wobbly, a bit anxious, a bit emotional, Mm. almost as if they don't really know where they are. Yeah, from a high to a down. Yes, Mm -hmm. and I've found that, you know, with the inattentive type, normally the LA does not do very well. Mm -hmm. So it's safer to do the other one. And then we have Concerta which um, gets absorbed very slowly. It's an hour and a half after you've taken it. It's absorbed and it has a... Uh, it funds then for eight hours. You have a period of peak uh, concentration potential and then it goes out of the body again slowly for about an hour and a half. Now, some children battle very much to sleep um, with stimulant medication and when they take the the concerta, it has an after effect still late into the night and they battle to, to sleep. So for them, the Ritalin normally is a better option because it gets out uh, of the body, out of the bloodstream earlier and then the, the after effect is then already over by the time they go to bed. But generally, it's it's a bit softer in the sense that it gets taken up more slowly but the the problem there is that for the first hour and a half whereas if you take the Ritalin seven o'clock you get to school half past seven there you are you are focused and you everything is okay with the concerta for that first hour and a half you don't have any coverage so to speak so often the Ritalin, the normal Ritalin, is prescribed in combination with the uh, concerta, concerta. We just assist for <clears throat> that first hour and a half. Helena, Helena, I'm, 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 I'm just so surprised. I looked up and it's time 
to go. We've run out of time. But may I ask that we continue this conversation next week? Because I think it's an important one. We still haven't even gone. We, we've just touched the, 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 the top of neurotherapy. And I want you to come back and explain it thoroughly so that we can assist a lot of people out there and hopefully take more calls during next week if you have time. I will gladly do that. Thank you. Thank you so much. But in the meantime, people can find the book at all good bookstores, right? Yes. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you again next week, Elena. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Bye bye. New Hope for ADHD is the book at all good bookstores.